Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co-host, analyst Diana Lawfer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester's CX Cast. This is your co-host, Sam Stern, joined as always by my co-host, Diana Laufer. Hi, everyone. And this week, Diana and I are trying something a little bit different. We are going to talk about a report that we co-wrote, <laughs> so this won't be awkward at all. It's called Acquisitions Are Not an Excuse for Bad Customer Experience, and is about what CX professionals should do when they hear the first rumors that their company might be acquired or that their company is acquiring another company or that there's a merger in the offing, what they can do during the merger and what they should do afterward as well. And Diana, I think you had mentioned talking about this report to me now because it's a big topic in the news just in the last couple of weeks, right? We've seen a lot of mergers either announce that they're finally been consummated or that, you know, sort of the rumors have been out there about companies being acquired? Yeah, I think it's very timely. We are taping this on Wednesday, September 7th, uh, the day that the Dell EMC deal is closing. I think it's the biggest technology deal that's ever been done. July was fraught with acquisitions with Unilever buying Dollar Shave Club, Walmart bought Jack.com. There were several others. And I don't know if this is like the biggest year for acquisition ever, but it's definitely on the upswing. And they tend to be good when the economy is good. The economy is yeah, okay. That's right. And I think um, it's a sign that uh, we've seen companies have spun off a lot of cash as their profits have been going up. One thing you do is give it back to shareholders, which a lot of them have done. Another thing you do is you, you go out and you acquire companies, which a lot of them are doing now. Yeah, when we're doing this research, I was reading about all these four or five billion dollar mergers between companies I had never heard of. <laughs> so plenty of activity for listeners. This was a question that we were asked a lot by our clients. What do we do when the merger happens for a number of reasons, right? One, it's distracting for the companies involved, for the employees at the companies involved, because the first thing I think you think about as an employee of, of, of a company being acquired or in a merger is, well, they are bragging to Wall Street about how this is going to reduce costs, and you reduce costs by laying people off. So how's my job going to look in a few months? And caring less about delivering the right experience right. Uh, for that reason. Yeah, or cutting budgets for CX initiatives, yeah. right? You have yeah. a whole bunch of things on your roadmap. You have them in flight. All of a sudden, you hear your company's getting acquired. Who knows what's going to happen? It can be very damaging to your long-term plans. And if it's a competitor, even a complementary company, it's, well, we have a clear value proposition <laughs> and business model and maybe even a CX strategy. And suddenly, we're merging with a company that likely had its own business plan and CX strategy that probably has a different bent than ours does. Yeah. On the one hand, it might be nice to merge with a company that has a CX team because you know that you have like-minded individuals. On the other hand, you're both competing for that role within the company. So, Diana, we talked to some of these CX leaders who had been involved with mergers in the past or were currently involved in them. Can you sort of at a high level give us the breakdown of how they thought about you know, how to handle CX throughout a merger? We broke it down into three areas in the report like you introduced at the top, which is what are the things to think about before the merger happens? These are even things that you can start planning for now. Yep. 
thinking that mergers are inevitable in the life of your company. What do you think about, what do you do when it's been announced, but the deal hasn't been finalized? So what we call during the integration. And then finally, what do you do after the merger when things have started to settle down and maybe you have a little bit more leeway? Let's break it out by some of the companies in the news here. Yeah. Let's start with, you know, your Dollar Shave Club and Unilever has agreed to purchase you, but the purchase hasn't gone through. You know, what do you do as the CX team at Dollar Shave Club in that pre-official consummation date? As much as you can, do your due diligence. Yeah. Right. If you're a Dollar Shave Club and you've got people that are really doing a lot of customer insights and it's part of your company, that's great. You want to know whether Unilever is the same way. And I'm not making any... Uh, <laughs> just using them as example. Just using them as example, yeah. not making any um, assumptions about it. But to the extent that they can, I would say CX Pros on each side should go out and find out, does the company that's acquiring them or if they're being acquired have a CX team? Are they doing things like journey maps? Do they have personas? Are they willing to even share these artifacts before the merger is finalized? This will help the teams get a running start once the merger happens to understand where are the similarities in the customers that we have, where there's differences, and and where might we need to develop brand new journey maps because now maybe the experience of buying a razor through, you know, a bigger company is going to be different than the, yeah. the original experience. So to the extent that they can start doing some of that fact finding, that's great. Um, another th- interesting that we thing that we heard from some of the companies we interviewed is sometimes they can't, right? There's all these rules in place. And so you can't share that information. You can still kind of do a little bit of digging about the other company's customers mm-hmm. in a very sly way. If it's a business to business and you're talking about big customer accounts, you know, call some people then account, find out what they like yeah. about the company. If it's a consumer-driven company, maybe that's even easier. So there's definitely research to be done to find out about the current state of the customer experience, You know who their customers are, do they have a CX discipline, and answering all those kinds of questions. Yeah. And I think that's important. We are not telling anyone to go break any laws or any stipulations of a merger contract. But I think to your point, the way you were laying that out, Diana, it's those are your constraints mm-hmm. for the types of research you do and what you can actually discover and figure out what the boundaries are and then work within those boundaries to learn as much as you can. And to that point, we've included in the report uh, acquisition due diligence checklist. So it's a, at least a starting point for some of the questions you should try to ask and answer before the integration happens. And to the extent that you can make this part of the discussion with whoever's leading the integration at the company, um, that'll really raise CX's influence within the deal itself. Um, The other thing I want to mention to do before the acquisition happens, once it's been announced, is sort of get all of your ducks in a row. (laughs) This is something that we talked about with a few companies, especially if you're the one being acquired. A lot of times you have to make the case for customer experience within the new organization, especially if CX is not part of their DNA. And so putting together a list of projects that you've tackled, a list of wins, how you've made a business impact provides a really good starting point for demonstrating the value of customer experience. You can sell it within the new company or if the new company is not so interested in it, (laughs) you know, it provides a good springboard to finding maybe a new position within a new company. Yes. I think we found that in the the research and 
really struck by that myself, too. The idea that the worst case, then, is your resume is already updated, your portfolio is filled out, and you're ready to get that next job if you are part of the cost-saving measures. Yes. Okay. Once you're into that integration period, so now I guess Dell and EMC officially are one joint organization. It's probably time to bring these two very, very large companies together into Mm -hmm. one combined organization. What did we find in the research about what's best to do during the integration period? Yeah, and I would even define this as before the deal closes, maybe before, you know, this is, I think, still maybe where Starwood and Marriott are. They haven't finalized all of the sort of the kinks, but there's something really important that you need to do even before that, and that is let your customers know what's going on. Yeah, great point. This came up time and again, I think, from all of the companies we talked to, which is as soon as the public gets word that this merger is going to happen, people are like, what's going to happen with my, you know, Starwood loyalty membership or, you know, I spent all these miles on Virgin America. Am I going to lose them? Customers are really concerned about that. And so letting them know from day one, even if you don't have an answer to those questions saying, you know, nothing's going to change for this period of time. We're going to continue to value your loyalty. Our loyalty program is not changing. That can go a long way to diffusing any sort of confusion or tension that's in the air. And that's not just consumer driven companies. I think that's even more important for B2B companies where they especially have a direct line through their sales folks, using the sales folks to go out and talk to especially the big accounts and say, you know, nothing's changing about our relationship right now. We'll let you know of any update, you know, whether it's changes to our product or service or how our relationship is changing. That communication is a really important piece. Yes. And I think you just hit on it there with the sales force, but it's important for customer facing employees to know Mm -hmm. those same messages. If you take a B2B sales rep or account manager, they need to feel like they're in the loop and they're the ones giving that message out so that they're still seen as the trusted partner of the client. And they feel like they're valued, Mm -hmm. right? That they're being kept up to date. And, you know, even if it's not a B2B relationship for call centers at, you know, Starwood or Marriott, they need to have answers to likely questions that customers are going to call up with. You know, in particular, Starwood has this vaunted loyalty program Mm -hmm. that a lot of their customers were freaking out about, that it would be cut by Marriott. That's what the calls are going to be about. So the the call center reps need to know the answers to those questions, even if, as you highlighted very well, the answer is there is no change for at least this period of time. And after that, you will communicate about any changes, but there's nothing that's going to change for the time being. Yeah, and customers can sense the uncertainty in the employees. And so you have to give them guidance first so that they can then do their job to reassure the customer. That's right. This is the prime time for CX to get involved in the integration team Mm. um, as much as they can. This came up in our discussions with Perceptive Software, which at the time had, um, I think they were part of Lexmark and Lexmark had been acquiring companies and merging them with the Perceptive Software. And they went through so many of these in in a short period of time that they were able to learn from each one. Mm -hmm. And so originally they weren't as involved and later on they learned that they can use tools tools like journey mapping to understand what's going to change and sort of use those to guide the plan of merging the two companies as yeah. part of the integration. Yeah. That, that, no, that's a great example. And that's it's, it's an example for a CX professional of sort of the value. You can raise your hand during the merger and say, 
I know a way to diagnose what our new experience should look like and highlight their value to the new combining organization. Yeah, and I think that was one thing that was so important that came out of that perceptive software discussion was that CX is not necessarily another work stream within the integration. It can be applied across all yeah. of the work streams. You know, we don't have to add more work to the acquisition. We're using customer experience as a lens into merging the work streams of the companies. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. And, I, and yeah. I, I think that was the way that Perceptive, they, they sort of described it to us as we are more involved without it making it more complicated or creating more work necessarily. Mm-hmm which no one wants at that point because they've <laughs> already got, you know, sort of a lot of people have second jobs almost to it with the integration and still doing their day job, you know, that they were already doing. Yeah, and that's the thing. As a CX professional, it is going to take some of your time to get yes. involved with the integration team, and that's going to take time away from doing the current initiatives, but it's probably worth it in the long run to cement CX as important within the new company. Okay, so then that's during, um, and I, I hear you about it sort of messy when that exactly starts <laughs> and when it ends, but let's say now it's after the integration is complete. What should CX teams, CX professionals be doing it afterward? I think this is the time to start figuring out how can we, well, maybe not start figuring out, hopefully you're doing that during the integration time, but just figure out what kinds of new products and services that you can roll out that are appealing to customers. And I think you talked with them, AT&T, but AT&T and DirecTV were so effective at this because they were doing so much during the integration period that once the merger had actually closed, they were already almost halfway to rolling out some of the new packages that were combining mobile phone with TV and and putting it under one bill. So to the extent that you can do a lot of that pre-work during the integration phase, you know, from day one, you can start rolling out those new products and that can be really enticing to customers and a good reason for them to stay, whereas customers are always a little uneasy with, okay, what is this new company going to offer me? Yeah, I I think it's a really good point that we're we're not solely talking here about how do we not make the experience worse for you. Yeah. There should be some benefit, hopefully, Mm -hmm. uh, from the combined companies of, you know, the fact that you can get streaming DirecTV video on your AT&T phone okay, well, that's actually value-add for me as either an AT&T or DirecTV customer. I can see why, you know, I see value from you two coming together where otherwise I didn't see it. Or, you know, you are sending one technician to install all of my stuff on my mobile phone and my my internet and my television package. Okay, well, this Mm -hmm. is a little better when before it was an AT&T person and a DirecTV person. So those benefits are something that companies should be looking for to say, customers, it might have been a little bumpy (laughs) during the integration, but this is why you should stay with us. And this is the extra value. This is how these two combined organizations are better serving you after the integration. And hopefully that's actually a true statement rather than just um, some marketing speak. Yeah. And CX pros are well placed to understand what are those new opportunities because they might, they have the journey maps from the two companies. They understand how the customers are alike or or dissimilar. You know, what are their expectations and what can we bring them? Yeah. Um, And so they're, they're well placed I would say that if you're in a company that didn't benefit from a lot of that fact-finding during the integration period, like AT&T and DirecTV did, your best bet is to probably not change all too much from day one. Uh, This was something that worked well for Enterprise when they bought Alamo and National. You know, Enterprise took a very sort of planful, slow approach. They knew that they had a very service-focused culture, and that's something that they wanted to bring to Alamo National. But first, they wanted to understand, you know, what is Alamo National doing well? And and National had a very different business model. They were a lot at airports. They were serving way more customers at their locations than Enterprise. So Enterprise knew from an operations perspective they could 
learn a lot. So they didn't change anything at the national branches right away. They said, what can we learn about the way that they're doing operations? And then once they did start to change over, they were able to take sort of the best of both companies, the way they're doing business and merge them and, and then find sort of an even better model. All right. Well, so listeners, a um, lot more examples and insights in the report, which is called Acquisitions Are Not an Excuse for Bad customer experience. They're really not. (laughs) And we will post a link to that in the podcast episode show notes and encourage you to go take a look. And I would say give this a read, even if you're not involved in a merger or acquisition right now, because experience has shown at at, at almost every large company, you soon will be. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's CX Cast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at sstern at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.